Hello, and welcome to the Powerful Personal Brand Podcast, where my guests and I share tips to help and inspire you to build a great personal brand to increase your visibility and authority. I am your host, Claire Mon, and on today's episode, I am very excited to be joined by Daniel Koffler. Daniel is the president of New Frontiers, an executive functioning coaching organization that provides academic, social, transitional, and career support to clients who range from elementary school age through seasoned adults looking to push themselves to be the most optimized versions of themselves. Daniel is a member of the Young President's Organization and holds a bachelor's um, in business administration and with a concentration in marketing from George Washington University. He is happily married with three children, including twins. So Daniel, thank you so much for being here. Wow, twins. How was that? Uh, It's exponentially more difficult than than it might sound. It's not plus, it's (laughs) it's multiply. Uh, How old are they? They're seven. Okay, so... We're so, in the thick of it. I don't know. Okay. All right. We're in the thick so of it. So you're not dealing with like the terrible twos, but now you have like the terrible, the terrible sevens. sevens. Exactly. Um, okay. But at the same time, I will tell you when, you know, there's three of three kids, we have three kids. And when even one of them is gone, as much as it is like a lot of energy when they're all around, uh, when even one of them is gone, it's like, it's almost boring. You know, it, it's like, this, it's, you have enough energy to like almost be able to tolerate it all. Yeah. Um, but then you realize, you know, how much you need that. Like you, you rise your own, you bring your own energy levels up to meet that every day. And like, right. it doesn't, it's not like a, you can't just turn it off. Yeah. 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 Well, this, at this point, my household is, is I'm filled with two dogs. Um, and, uh, yeah, when one of them's not here, when they're not here or something, you're just kind of like, it's so, something's yep. missing. Um, all right. Well, so tell me, so I, Basically, when I was reading your bio, it intrigued me. So you work with people from elementary school through adults. Like, how does that work? So the the foundations of our population are generally like 14 to 26 years old. So that kind of those years where there's constant transitions occurring in life, mm-hmm. middle school, to high school, to college, to the workforce. And as soon as you, you know, it's almost like parenting in some respects. You, you get to a certain stage and you get comfortable managing what's in front of you. And then as soon as you get comfortable, the circumstances change. Mm. And you have to learn a new set of skills and a new sort of coping mechanisms. And there's less clarity as to what's expected. And there's a higher, it's higher expectations, higher risk if you don't manage it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we find, we found that it's really helpful in many cases to help people with, provide some kind of guardrails give them the opportunity to, you know, to, to touch those guardrails and kind of like see what the boundaries of, you know, their perceptions are. And from there kind of hone in what is the best path forward? You know, so you're going straight, but like you can bounce off the walls like a ping pong, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, like a pinball machine, or you can just kind of walk a straight line nice and easily. It's not that we take for granted, I think in society, how, how, you know, moving from one stage of life to the next, um, it's not without bumps and bruises, regardless of anything. That's just the nature of life. But for some folks, there's a lack of, of just skills and, and, and understanding of goals and how do we achieve those goals? How I think is the important concept. Um, and we, that's what we do. We help, we help answer the how, like the, what are we going to do and how are we going to do it? Okay. So, I mean, for, for me, I mean, I got that sort of support from my mom, I really think, and probably some of the teachers and things like that. Are you finding that those support systems are not there? What, like what changed? Or were we just like, was it just, whew, thank God we got through it? 
<laughs> I, I think it's a, I think that's definitely a piece of it that people okay. only admit way later. Um, but I think that the, the environment's changed. I think okay. this con the, the 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 expectation that we as parents can do things to prevent our children from experiencing hardship mm-hmm. is is a thing. People try to you know, and of course you don't want anybody around you who you love to be hurt and pained. Right. But that's part of the growth process. And mm-hmm. if we prevent people from experiencing that, they don't learn coping mechanisms as they get older. Mm-hmm. And when you think back to you know. I talk about it in various capacities all the time, but at the end of the day, you know, if you don't, there's no living at the beach. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you don't have like a reason to go back to work and have something else that is not as much fun and pleasant as, you know, the pleasant things, there is no pleasant. You need to have both yin and yang. Um, So I think it's a combination of those things. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Now, I mean, I was just thinking like, you know, things that were difficult for me. I mean, you know, people may find it hard to believe, but I had bullies, a lot of bullies. So, you know, you're just kind of like, sometimes you're just kind of like, okay, well, this person's, you know, I've got to deal with this right now because I can't like call my mom and be like, how do I deal with this situation? And yeah, um, I grew, I got, I became very adept at like <laughs> Jedi mind tricking people so that I got out of stuff that became kind of like a superpower. I was like, Ooh, it got me but out of a, a couple of, of, that's of a coping games. mechanism. Right. Yeah. Like that's a mechanism that you develop for yourself to kind of navigate how how you want to kind of exist in the world. Everyone mm-hmm. has their own version of these. Some people, for various reasons, uh, learning challenges, mental health issues, traumatic experiences have or other circumstances have blocks that prevent mm-hmm. like blockages to prevent them from getting there. Or, again, you know, parents set certain expectations um, that are unrealistic, that are not aligned with what they want to do with themselves, for their lives. Like, There's a lot of there's a lot of nuance to it. Um, yeah. But yeah, most of us, you know, touch the hot stove and realize like, I don't want to do that anymore. Some right. of us do it a couple of times before we realize that it's, it's actually too hot. Um, but others simply don't have the skills at the cert- at a moment in time when society expects us to. And mm-hmm. that, in my view, is not something that should be, they should be indicted for. That's something mm-hmm. where they should be able to ask for help without fear of judgment and receive mm-hmm. the help and go on with their lives. So how did, how did somebody that is in need of help find you? Do you work so, with schools or? We do. We work with, with okay. the mental health community. We work with schools. Okay. We work with employers. Um, I do a lot of networking. Uh, historically, okay. I've done a lot of kind of like almost door to door to the extent that it's possible in our industry. Um, mm-hmm. It's not the kind of thing that I can um, that I can want for somebody more than they want for themselves. Right. right. So we have to present ourselves in a certain way and hope that people do the two hardest things, in my view, in this space, which is one to acknowledge a need like ask for help mm-hmm. and then the other thing is actually accepting the help mm-hmm. you can recognize that you need help and ask for help and think that you're taking the right steps and that's and that is correct but you might not be ready to actually accept it and mm-hmm. that isn't an indictment of you either you might that's okay like, when you're ready you're ready unfortunately in in fewer cases these days than in our earlier days but in general there's still a circumstance where people wait until like they're at rock bottom mm-hmm. where they've taken a step or two down to the point that like, it's really like some, some rebuilding has to occur to start going back on the path they want to get on in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with judgment and trust and, and we're, we're very big on being non-judgmental and developing trust with people um, mm-hmm. and going at their pace. It's their, it's mm-hmm. their life. That's the important thing. It's what I can want it as badly as I want it for them. They have to want it for themselves. And if they do, we can meet them and run as fast alongside them as they want to go. The thing that's actually interesting um, that I even find with people that we've worked with, coaching, coaching clients, and this sort of thing is like it's not 
they, people can be very successful and can be able to hire me to help them with their personal brand. But you'll, it's so amazing how many times they have blocks. They're afraid to put themselves out there and they'll kind of self-sabotage work that we do. Or they'll be like, oh, no, I have to do this before I can do that. And you're like, but you're never going to do this. Do you not see that? Like, right. because you're talking about acceptance and things like that. But you're like, you actually have to put in the work. You can you can come to me and you know that you need the help, but there's I, I believe there's also that like you have to actually do something. It's it's super uncomfortable for people. It's unnatural to kind of take mm -hmm. those steps. I tell people on my team, particularly like in sales and marketing roles, if you don't go home like almost embarrassed for like how close you went to that line to try to get someone's attention. Mm -hmm. Obviously don't embarrass yourself. Don't embarrass the organization, but you have to really put yourself out there and really just be willing to accept defeat mm -hmm. four out of five times, multiple times, every time times a day, like weeks, months, like years of that. If you're not prepared to do that, you're probably not going to make the progress you need to make. And there's mm -hmm. really no other way than the hard way to do that. Once you get, once you realize that like you can, have that negative emotion, that negative reaction to kind of the response you get and you wake up the next day and everything's fine and you can go do it again. And then the next person kind of clarifies that they, that you do have it correct and they do want to work with you, I think, which kind of heals all wounds. Um, but you have to go through that process. Yeah. Um, so how did this all start? Like what, what made you start this? When did it start? So it, we're, we're 10 years in. Okay. Um, we, this is actually an offshoot in some respects of my family business, which is building and operating private schools, okay. um, which is a pretty niche business, mm -hmm. um, central, uh, kind of centralized around New York City, which is where we're okay. based. Um, we had general ed schools, special ed schools, um, nursery schools, K-12s. Um, and in the case of one of our special education programs, we had families whose children were transitioning out of high school and ostensibly to college. And they were concerned the environment they were in at the moment was a very supportive environment. Teachers are trained a certain way, smaller classroom sizes, et cetera. Um, when they go to college, that's not how it works anymore. Mm -hmm. And there was concern about how are these young men and women going to transition successfully to and through college. Um, and so we designed this coaching program to help support them on that journey. And through that, you know, some of these young men and women had siblings and the parents were like, well, could you work with our siblings who are neurotypical because um, you do so well in this situation, but it seems like it's the same kind of general foundations that you're working on. Sure, we can. And then what if we started working with kids who are younger, like in high school, and really develop these skills earlier? And, and, and today we have, I think at the moment, over 365 clients uh, across wow. the country. Um, and historically, they've represented 41 states, five countries, um, coaches, you know, 70 or 80 coaches around uh, the country as well. Um, and we work with folks as young as six through 75. Mm -hmm. The circumstances, you know, Amazing. are individualized for each person, mm -hmm. of course. Um, and I will tell you also, since the pandemic in particular, we've seen a lot of adults coming our way uh, with essentially the message of, I don't want to do this anymore, whatever I'm doing. It's not comfortable. I don't enjoy it. But I, I guess parenthetically or even directly, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do whatever the next thing would be. And I have a family, I have employees, like it's, there's a, it's a high mm -hmm. risk to kind of make an adjustment. And I think that the combination of somebody non-judgmentally kind of supporting them through that journey and developing strategies with them, as well as holding them accountable to the outcomes and the goals that they, that they help set, we help set together mm -hmm. is, is a magic formula. Hmm. 
Do you find that the, the people that may come to you have more trouble like asking for help from their own kind of community or no? In some cases, I think I think that the closer the per- a person is, so you mentioned parents earlier, there's mm-hmm. an emotional connection with a parent, right? So it's not just a simple, in some cases, listen, some, some parents, you know, many parents are doing the absolute best job they can and the best job that anyone could ever ask for. But when there's an emotional piece and if, it's, if a young man or woman has been struggling for years and the parents are just exhausted and mm-hmm. they, you know, you're a parent, you're not imbued with the skills to raise a child. You figure this out as you go as best you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same thing applies in some cases, actually, you know, people won't admit this, but like in, in professional circumstances, you run right. a business, you, you know, you, you try to manage people, like you just do the best you can and you think you do what kind of makes intuitive sense as you mm-hmm. learn. Um, so I think that in some cases when there's an emotional connection or a higher risk, like go to your boss, like if you expose yourself in some ways, like mm-hmm. then it's out there. Whereas yeah. a third party in particular, one who's trained in how to manage this kind of stuff can be uh, much less emotional and much more mm-hmm. kind of like tactical and strategic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's great that something like that exists. I mean, um, I do feel like I've been lucky in that I've had a lot of support that I did feel comfortable going to, going to that wouldn't be judgmental. Um, it's funny, my, my husband always jokes that my mom was like a hippie. So she was just like, you know, love and just whatever you want to be, honey. Sometimes it was like a little like, come on, give me some direction. But right. <clears throat> at least I had the, I always had a lot of love. There was never, there was never like a lack of love, but sometimes the direction was a little hard. So I found that I've got help in the direction of like what to do with my life in others, in other places. But I would often ask or, or get guidance sometimes when I didn't even ask for it. So I feel like so that- I was lucky in that, in that respect. That's, I don't know that it's unusual, but it's okay. not, it's not, I mean, it, it's, it's good. What I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I don't think everybody has the confidence to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I think that people, you learn at a young age, if you ask for help in a classroom or in some kind of other public setting, you are exposing yourself to not having known an answer. And that mm-hmm. is something that we don't do a great job tolerating in society. Yeah. And it only gets worse as you get older. And mm-hmm. that, you know, you wouldn't call that trauma in comparison to like losing a parent or, you know, getting into like a terrible accident, but it can have an effect, like a slow burn mm-hmm. effect that can kind of adjust your trajectory as you get older and can really turn into, you know, uh, an issue that has to really kind of be like uprooted and then, you know, reestablished uh, as mm-hmm. an adult. So it's, it's funny. It's totally off subject, but it reminded me of something. Um, I don't remember where this happened, but in, in math at some point I missed a class or something that was very important for geometry, uh, trigonometry, calculus. And I just started kind of like not getting it. And I get, got into college and I wasn't doing really well. I hired a tutor. We were going through things and he was just like, you know, he's like, so this is this. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, what? <laughs> so we figure I can't even remember what the thing was, but he, there was this one piece that once he put it in, I was like, oh, oh, now. So I never had, because we didn't have a lot of money growing up, so I never had a tutor. And I later realized in college how important that was. So it's just that when you sometimes, whatever it is, for me, it was certain, certain, um, you know, uh, things within school, but if it's emotional, it's so important to get that help. If there is not that support system there, for what it's worth, I have the a very similar experience. It was Did I know you? exactly what it was. It was fourth grade. It was okay. long division, and I missed the <laughs> class, and I it it impacted my my learning in math for the rest of my academic career. I've managed to you know figure out how to get division done now, and or use a use technology or whatever it is, but yeah. Um, 
I'm not sure which is, you know, which is chicken and the egg, but that experience leading to like my own like social development. Okay. Frankly, yeah. most people who I know, you know, think of me as like a very outgoing, like I'm a you know, biz dev is kind of like my role in the organization, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm outgoing, I'm selling, I'm talking, I'm, I'm, I'm cheerleading. Um, but in reality, I'm an introvert. And mm-hmm. if I had my choice to hide under a desk in the dark with a book <laughs> for three days and talk to nobody, I would in a 10 out of 10 times choose that. I do this because I have to. Yeah. I have to. I believe in what we're doing and I want to make sure people understand what, what it is. And I, I respect my team so much that they deserve the opportunity to, to provide the service to the world. But mm-hmm. honestly, it's, um, I, I want, I, I, it's, I'm thinking about it only right now for the first time. I wonder if there's a connection between that, that fourth grade long division gap and like my own social development long term. So I wouldn't ask a yeah. question after that. I was, I was afraid to ask a question. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you just, uh, it's, it's interesting because um, I only really discovered this problem with, with, in college. Like I, some, I got through high school and I did very well. But yeah, something happened, I guess, like in college. So I don't know if it was like the last class that I had in high school. But yeah, it's like, I guess I'm glad that it, it happened when I was older. <laughs> then maybe right. I, I didn't have that many, you know, foundational, fundamental things that, that changed. But yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing to ask for help. So I, when I've asked for help, I've always had good results. Thank, you know, thank God for that. Um, it is so important. And, you know, I think um, my mom always had a saying, you know, when you don't, when, when you keep going until you find a yes person. And so, you know, if someone will help you, then be like, okay, well, then I'm going to find someone else that will. And so I'm glad that people have that as an opportunity now to, to, to come to you guys for help. Cause it is really important. Um, and I, you know, I, another thing that's different too is, is do you feel like that people come to you to kind of learn? Cause you were talking about having a team and, and that we don't know how to parent or to be managers. And there's not really a good, there's like old school classes, right? That let help me help you. And you're like, what does that even mean? Um, <laughs> again, shut up mind tricking people. Do you find that people come to you um, or, or during the process of working with you, they kind of learn how to manage people? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for our corporate clients, that's exactly what they come to us for or okay. one of the things they come to us for, right? I think it takes like <clears throat> a, a real level, like a degree of confidence in your, in your role to mm-hmm. be comfortable acknowledging. Like, look, I've reached a certain height professionally, but honestly, like, not that it's a house of cards. It's like, it's, I've now outgrown my skill set. Right? Mm-hmm. I need a new skill set to be able to do this job well. Um, so, and, and the reality is, you know, you get a guy who's been doing a job, selling something, doing some task-related you know, job in, a, in an organization, and they do it so well, they get promoted to manager. So now he or she is responsible for managing people versus handling a task. It's a very mm-hmm. different skill set. Right. Um, and we don't, you know, most organizations don't have the time or the resources to train people on those things. Um, so we, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a burgeoning part of our business. It's a kind of on the last mm-hmm. couple of years we've been, we've been doing this piece. We only, we realized like, this is completely applicable to it's, it's all learning. It's all frontal lobe stuff. It's all kind of how your brain works and how we set strategies and systems in place. Um, and how, and how humans and how humans learn, mm-hmm. um, learning is kind of the foundation of, of our work as compared to, you know, other coaching models that, that have different foundations. Yeah. I hope that corporate corporations, I mean, I remember like my very first job, I was working financial services in New York City. Um, and I, I, my um, corporation paid for me to go to a project management um, class. So, you know, probably not super cheap and things like that, but like that for some reason was valuable. And I hope that people start taking, 
it, it, you know, that you need to train people on how to manage people because it is a skill and it's not something that people know how to do. And um, you can really hurt somebody um, that's, you know, I mean, I definitely had that. My very first jobs, there were some mean people and they did not know how to manage people. And I kind of learned by, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to do something different. Um, and so I did it. I did basically, I have to do the opposite because I, I don't ever want to treat someone like that. So I think ho hopefully people will, will do more of that. So I think there's a definite need. Well, I mean, I, I know there is. And I'll yeah. tell you, like the, the, the example you <clears throat> gave where you were kind of, you know, your, your organization paid for you to get that training. We are one of the folks that one might bring in to provide that training. Right. Yeah. But I also so and I think that some people do it, you know, for selfish reasons, you mm -hmm. know, uh, you know, you describe like you don't want someone to behave a certain way. You don't want to treat a person that way. You don't be treated that way. So you want to do it differently. I think that a manager needs to think about, am I going to be able to have longevity in this organization? Is this organization going to grow with me at the helm if I don't provide this kind of support? Mm -hmm. And in particular, these days with the, where the current work model is moving towards, you have to be more responsive to people's you know qualitative metrics as well as quantitative it's not just like mm -hmm. can they hit their sales targets which mm -hmm. sure it's important you're at work for a reason but also you know this quiet quitting trend and this five to nine thing all these kind of conversations happening in the background about how people want to spend their time and what their relationship to work is mm -hmm. that's not going away i don't yeah. think um and you know you have two choices you can well put it this way a favorite <laughs> saying of mine if, if you if you dislike change you're going to really dislike irrelevance Right. So hmm. just think about it in that context. Like you can be a dinosaur and do things the old way and hope that you can kind of make it to retirement before like the world changes completely. Mm -hmm. Or you can try to get ahead of that wave or ride that wave in a meaningful way. And, you know, change is hard. I get it. Mm -hmm. But you're a leader. It's that's part of that comes with the territory. Yeah. Well, I mean, in really everything um, in, 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 you know, managing people and and you know, being hireable and, and promotable, all of those kind of things. You have to have social skills. It's, it's, it's always going to help you, but you, but it also completely helps with even, you know, building a brand and marketing and all that sort of stuff. If you're like, no, 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 this is the way we've done it for 20 years. You're like, where have you been? They didn't have like TikTok and all these things 20 years right. ago. You're probably doing it wrong. So right. yeah, it, you have to change. I mean, that is that actually is a very much a reoccurring theme um, in this podcast. Is is you have to be able to pivot. You have to be able to adapt because you will not be, be successful. I mean, maybe like you said, yeah, you could just be like, okay, if I could just make it five more years until I retire, <laughs> it, it's, it's worked this long. But it may not work. And that's I would advise it. I don't think that's the smartest strategy. I it, agree. You know, yeah. I agree. But I, but I, I, you know, a lot of people are, are afraid of change. And so, um, unfortunately, hopefully none of them are listening to this podcast. So I'm open. Well, hopefully they are actually, cause you know, frankly, okay. you know, change is a con change is constant. And yeah. you know, that's something that we learn and like the soft skills, you know, part of that is kind of managing change and being flexible and like, you know, being able to navigate through that kind of stuff. Um, you can't stop that. You know, one person might be able to get away with like that, you know, we're joking, but like, you know, get away with retiring beforehand, but like society mm -hmm. won't. It's yeah. not going to work, you know, oh, across yeah, yeah. Swatch population. Yeah. No, you're very passionate about that. <laughs> you're like, no. <laughs> so I love that. So, I, I mean, there's so many things that people can kind of like take away from this, but I would love to kind of give really a concise, um, like three tips that somebody can do right now um, 
you know, that you want to give based on, on I, I kind of throw it out to you. Um, what three tips do you want to give? So, I mean, listen, I think there's a couple of kind of like key themes and for what it's worth, just to preface this, we spent some time in our organization reestablishing or clarifying our core values. Okay. That's a really important piece personally, professionally, like who are you? What do you stand for? Yeah. If you, you know, don't believe in oil and gas, don't invest in oil and gas, right? Like figure out an ESG investment opportunity. Authenticity is important, perhaps to a fault. I'm authentic. Um, it rubs some people the wrong way. Um, if you think about, but then again, like, so are a lot of people who, you know, who, if you want to climb a certain ladder, like you have to do that. You have to be willing to make enemies or be off-putting to some people, hopefully for the right reasons. Hopefully because you're so positive and focused mm-hmm. on the right things that people who are negative, you know, are dissuaded by you. Um, mm-hmm. But like authenticity is critical, regardless mm-hmm. of what you're doing, you know, at home, at the office, with your children, uh, with your friends. Um, and that becomes more and more important as you get older, because who has who has the mental capacity to manage like a, you know, a cast of spinning plates when you're lying to the, everybody else and yourself oh, yeah. about like who you want to be, right? That's just, that's right. just not a successful strategy. Um, I think that, and I mentioned it earlier, you know, like, kind of like the, like the wave of where the new generation is coming from, like this, you know, work to live versus live to work theme. At least that's how I think about it. Cause I was raised in like a live to work sort of mentality. I wore mm-hmm. a suit every day for 10 years. I have like a whole rack of suits that are all custom that I don't wear anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even give them away because they're, they're my specific size. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that that is the most important thing. I think that you should be able to work, do something you love, where mm-hmm. you enjoy, you feel is valuable, but have a life. Like have mm-hmm. something interesting. You, that, that yin and yang, I think is really important. I'm not sure if that's the right way to describe it, but for me, it's like I... I'm hectic all day long. My chest is like caving in because I'm so busy and I can't breathe. I can't go to the bathroom. But I, because I'm running off to go do something fun afterwards, yeah. and like that energy kind of propels me to do the best job I can while I'm, while I'm at work and focus hard so mm-hmm. I can focus hard on, my, on the fun activities afterwards. Um, I, I think that that is super important. And I think that if you do run an organization, mm-hmm. um, as like a third concept, um, and even if you're just a, 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 a manager within an organization, um, the idea of like servant leadership, the idea that um, I'll think of an example. When the pandemic started to wind down, uh, I started talking to my staff. I'm like, all right, like we got rid of our office. We mm-hmm. got rid of it. We we're all working remotely. We compare, the whole business is administered remotely now, which suits me very well and suits them very well. But I thought because everybody else around me was saying we're going back to the office, so I was like, all right, let's let's have that conversation. And I brought it up to my team, and it wasn't quite the way I'm going to frame it, frame it, but it was the same, same essence. I was like, guys, how about we come back to the office? They're like, no. And I was like, well, what do you mean? No. Like I thought I'm the boss. Like I, I make these decisions. Um, and the kind of implication was, look, if you really want to force this down our throats, I guess you, you have the right to, but then you also have the privilege of doing every job yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if, do you really want to push this issue? Like how big is your ego? Um, and mine is not big. It's been squashed down many, many, many times that it barely <laughs> exists. So, you know, I, I, you know, I thought about it and I realized, you know, really like the special sauce in my organization and in my life is the people, you know, who, who operate it. Mm-hmm. It's the coaches, the supervisors, our admin team, the ones who are actually doing the work. I'm trying mm-hmm. to promote it and celebrate it and, and provide them the resources they need to get the work done. But they do an incredible job. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're just the best at what they do. and I don't want to impede that for anything mm-hmm. that is important to me. So, you know, to me, like I work for them. 
mm-hmm. really. My job is to provide for them and support them, listen to them, hear them, provide certain opportunities whenever I can, um, and then step back and watch and, and kind of you know, let them do what they do. Yeah. I think some people struggle with that concept because they have to be right and they have to do it vocally and in front of you. Um, I have a lot of friends who, <laughs> who may, may kind of think of themselves this way. Um, and it works for them in some cases, interestingly. Mm-hmm. For me, and I think for the majority of, of, of small businesses, it's not going to be a successful strategy. Um, yeah. And I think it's going to become even less so as those two worlds, you know, the, the, the work to live concept amongst like the, the you know, kind of like the population coming up uh, becomes more solidified. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the kind of the same thing that you were talking about before. It's if you think that I used to do it this way 20 years ago and it worked and you're not ready to implement change, then you're going to have problems. You're, you're literally going to be doing it all by yourself. Um, I have been working from home for over 10 years. I'm a former actress. So like literally you work from home, you are your own boss. So was that, that was my very first foray into um, entrepreneurship. So the thought of going into an office, <laughs> can't even imagine. Then I started my own businesses and everything. And um, yeah, I mean, I personally, I love the freedom. It sometimes can be distracting to be working from, um, to be working from home as we before we started this, uh, I was like, the orchid man's going to be here and the dogs may bark. So <laughs> that's life. And, um, but I feel like, so I, what I'm actually very happy with is that people started to realize what my life was like because I work from home and I'm not unprofessional because my dogs are barking or because your kid comes bursting into the room. I'm not some sort of unprofessional person that you shouldn't work with. It's I'm working from home and I'm really I'm doing the best that I can. And now people are kind of going like, Oh, that's what it's like. I feel like people are just so much more open to it now. Um, so I, I, I'm happy to hear that. I love working from home. I can't imagine. But it doesn't like you're working from home now. I'm not. I'm in my office. I have, a, I have like a WeWork-esque, like a co-working yeah. space in Brooklyn, yeah. down the block from my house. Um, nice. It's, it's terrific. I need some, some space to kind of leave my things yeah. in a certain place and not have them be moved or broken, which is what happens in my house. Yeah. Um, so this works well. Um, but yeah, but 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 you know, uh, sitting in an office for sixteen hours a day with somebody looking over your shoulder just to demonstrate that you you have the stamina to kind mm-hmm. of to be hazed uh, the way that they were twenty years ago, right? Uh, I, I uh, is a very outdated model. Uh, yes, despite some people kind of hanging on to it. Yes, uh, and I definitely feel that's a very New York model too. Well, there's a lot of real estate and finance, you know, types yeah. in, in New York. And there's, you know, listen, in some of those industries, like it does require, you know, a different level of work. There's a lot of opportunities, right. a lot, it's, it's big numbers. Like I get that. Right. Uh, and I respect that. Same time, just for me, you know, we have a lot going on. And I'm able to manage it the way I'm able to manage it. And mm-hmm. very happy to do it that way. Yeah, no, I, I, so you said something about how being authentic um, and you said, you know, I'm very authentic. But so because I basically my very first job out of college pretty much was in was in New York. I had like something for six months before I moved from Texas to New York City. Um, and so I really feel like my management style, how I am is very kind of New York. I cut to the chase. Like you're not going to like, I don't have all these LA like, oh yes, we have to do this. And oh, all these platitudes that never lead to anything. New York is just like cut to the chase. I, I either, I like you or I don't. I'm, you're probably going to have an idea at the end of the, at the end of the hour or whatever it is. I never thought about it as being authentic. I just kind of was like, yeah, it's like a New York thing. And I'm just like, I, you know, I, I always appreciated that. And that is, and I tell my team this, and sometimes when I get into a coaching call, I'm like, just so you know, I'm very like, I'm a straight shooter. 
you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a jerk. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be mean to you. Um, but I'm really going to be honest because I think that's what I'm here for. So I actually love it. And I bet it's probably because you grew up in New York. <laughs> it's probably, I'm multi-generational New Yorker. So it's in yeah. my blood. I, I think it's the highest form of respect. I think that mm-hmm. kind of like letting people know where you stand, it, or I think, well, rather not trying to pretend that like everything's okay all the time, I think is yeah. inauthentic and, and disrespectful. People right. deserve the respect of knowing like, look, here's where I am. You may agree with it or not agree with it. You know, some people take it, you know, kind of mask authenticity with jerkiness. There, mm-hmm. There's a very clear line between the two, but I think it's really important on a interpersonal dynamic and certainly within my organization like and our clients and how we administer things amongst ourselves to be direct. We don't have a lot of time yeah. to do everything. You have to use that time wisely. Um, yeah. And we're executive function coaches. Like time management is a big thing for us. So be respectful of people's time, be respectful of people's, um, you know, perceptions of you. Mm-hmm. I think it's, and so authenticity is, uh, is, is critical. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, it's funny because I'm multi-generational Californian. Take, take what you will with that one. But um, I actually was always much, very much as like a straight shooter. And people were like, oh, Claire, you're so abrasive. You know? <laughs> and then I went to New York and I was like, I found my people. <laughs> no one's like bit out of shape by me just being honest. Come on. Right. I would much rather someone say, oh, you have lipstick on your teeth or something rather than not. Come on. All of a sudden you go to the, you know, look at, go to the bathroom and you're like, oh, oh my God, why didn't anyone tell me? I was sitting there. I've spoken to four people already tonight. Yes. Why didn't somebody tell me? I always say uh, only a true friend tells you there's a black seed stuck in your tooth. Um, As, as uncomfortable as it may feel for some people to make that, to to point that out. (laughs) Yes. It's much worse to be the person who let your friend walk away and talk to the next person looking this way. So it's, it's actually affordable. funny. Um, <laughs> this came up. We were. Um, I, have a, I have a stepdaughter. We were. We were eating in New York City with my husband and her, one of her best friends. And we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, her best friend goes, "You have an Eskimo in the tundra." And I'm like, "What?" That was her code for saying you had like a seed in your teeth. Oh. So, so if you're one. at a restaurant, you're like, "Yes, on your teeth." You just be like, "Give Eskimo in the tundra," and people are like, "What?" And then you're like, "You know oh, what? Go to the it's funny. Check it out." I hear that and I think about that and I'm like, honestly, I'd probably just say, get that thing out of your tooth. Okay. Just like, just, just jam it in there. Just like, you know, like at this point, like not too old to change, but like, you know, it's, it, it works. Like it, it, uh, it hasn't failed. It became you know, like but, a but, kind of a, a family like joke. No, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's great. <laughs> oh my God, Daniel, this was like a fun conversation. It was, it was, a, I, I feel like we, we just had a conversation and I, I didn't really even ask any of the, the questions that we had, but I learned so much. And, um, the service that you your, and your company provides is so necessary and it's amazing. So what can someone do to find out more, to reach out to you? What's the best place to do that? Yeah. So we're all over the internet and all the places you traditionally would look. We're all over social media. Our website is probably the, the first and best place to look. It's www.nfil.net. It's New Frontiers in Learning. It used to be in learning. We dropped the mm-hmm. IL, but the website still exists that way. Um, and then you can find me. I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, you know, etc. Um, they can also email us info at nfil.net. It's it's 24 hour kind of observed. Um, and uh, smoke signals come knock on my door. You know, <laughs> send me a letter. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> old school. Whatever you, whatever you need. We we are big on flexibility. So whatever is convenient for you, we will yeah. meet you there. 
Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for talking with me today. Um, I definitely learned some valuable things and I definitely think that our listeners did too. So thank you so much, Daniel, for, for coming on. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm, I'm really, really enjoyed this. Yeah. So, and thank you for listening and watching and I will see you in the next episode. Bye.